Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse number 22, if you would please. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So our goal today is to finish chapter 5. If you recall in verse number 16, we're told to walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's pretty straightforward, is it not? In verse 19, we begin a list of the works of the flesh. The Apostle Paul provides for us there. Not a conclusive list, of course. We just need to think back in our lives and realize some of the many mistakes we've made. Verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit we just read. And now as believers, we all, of course, desire this fruit. Can I get a hearty amen? Amen. <laughs> well, can I get a weak amen then, I guess I should have said. Now, this result of walking by the Spirit produces this fruit in our lives. So the goal isn't like, let's go love, I got to love, I got to love, I got to love. The goal is to walk by the Spirit, and then the result or the fruit is to, or the fruit is the result of that. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, put it this way, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So as with Paul, Jesus promises that righteous living is a part of our inheritance. Hallelujah. I likes that. Now let's review our spiritual reality that we've covered the last few weeks. I think if we can nail this down, I think that... Um, we can get a get a a better understanding. I want to try to. I've been thinking hard on this for the last three weeks. If we can present it spatially, what is true spiritually, we can have a better uh, grasp of when and where we're living. If we can see when and where we're living, which the apostles laid out, and particularly in Galatians three. And four, now in chapter five, we can kind of understand where we're at and how this is supposed to be working out in our lives. Actually, how it does work out in our lives. And we don't have a bunch of boogeymen chasing us around. In other words, things that aren't so, aren't real, and what, what is actually happening and how we can move forward in success. So let's do this. Let's draw a, we'll draw a vertical line here. That's vertical, right? Yeah. And so the vertical line will separate for us, obviously, uh, well, we've done it many times, right? So this is B.C., meaning then that this is A.D. Good. We've done it so many times. And so it represents for us when we are living. When are we living? A.D. So a lot of you have got that. That is really good. Um, Romans chapter 2, verse 12, 
Robert, nice and loud, slow, clear, if you would please. Deliberate. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. Okay, so you have a group, Paul says, and we've again, we've seen it in Galatians over and over again. We're bringing in Romans, another of his uh, uh, letters, of course. You have uh, two groups of people, those who are without the... Law and those who are under the law. Okay, so now we're going to draw a horizontal line or an horizontal line. And this is going to tell us where we are living. Got it? Go like this if you got it. Okay? And so there are, there's a group of people that are living. Let's change colors so we can maybe keep up better here. This is a group of people that are living... Under the what? Under law. And these people ethnically are who? Jews. Jews, Israelites, Hebrews. Probably Hebrews is more accurate when we say ethnically. But anyway, and these people down here, what is their relationship to the law? Using Paul's own words there in Romans chapter 2. Without law. All righty. So, these people, where are they living? When, when are they living? They're living B.C., right? And they're living under law. These people are living uh, uh, B.C. and without law, okay? Now, uh, let's see. Jay, help me out and read, if you would, Romans. Uh, you got three verses. So start with me, if you would, in Romans 7, 1. Just read that particular verse. Just that one. Yeah, just that one, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring you along. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? Okay, uh, Steve brought this up last week and made it clear here. Paul's Romans 7 is addressing uh, Jewish believers. I'm speaking, he says there, to those who know the law. So, not these folks here, these folks here. Uh, in particular, and uh, but anyway, the point being, I'm speaking to those who know the law. Verse number five, if you would. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Okay, he's speaking to believers, so not really B.C., but he's pointing out something that was going on B.C., and he says there, while we were living, do you remember those next three words? In the flesh. So these folks here in this quadrant were under the law, but they were also in what? The flesh. Important to remember that. Okay, we go to chapter 8 now in verse number 3. Here's where we have our victory. But he rehearses the what we might would call the failure of the law. It really was not a failure of the law because God created the law for a specific purpose for which it did not fail. We've covered that ad nauseum uh, in many weeks past, but he rehearses it. So read chapter 8 and verse number 3, if you would please. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh... And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So what the law could not do, of course, the Lord Jesus did, right? And it was the law was never meant to do it. The law was weakened by the what? Flesh. The flesh. 
Hence, it could not do. So the law, the, the, uh, the law was weakened by the flesh. So now we understand, too, as we can, we've continued over and over again. So in this quadrant, these Israelites, these Jewish people were under the law, in the flesh. What about the people without the law? They're in the flesh, too. Amen. Okay? Okay. Uh, let's see now. Under law, in the flesh, the Jews. Under law, in the flesh, the Gentiles. Okay, let's continue to move forward. We'll try to fill this out so we can have our background understanding cleared up. Romans chapter 8. Let's see. Jeff, you got that one, don't you? Read verses 8 and 9 if you would please. Read just verse 8 real quick. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh. So now we're in Romans chapter 8, and he's talking about the, uh, the Spirit. And he says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So now we're going to start filling in this quadrant. Those who are in the flesh, can, can they please God? Yes or no? no? No, they cannot. But he goes on to say, verse number 9, by the way, it's because we're talking about where pe- when and where people live. Say that with me. We're talking about what? So these people can't please God because of where they live. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be what? You must be born again. He said to him, because that which is flesh is flesh. That's it. You must be born of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, read verse number 9, if you would, please. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. You, however, are not in the flesh, but... Finish that for me. In the Spirit. In the Spirit. Now, how do you know you're in the Spirit? Well, that's true. That's true. But what does he say in the verse? You're in the Spirit, in fact, if in fact, what? The Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So we know then, uh, are these believers, yes or no? Yes or no? No. Are these believers, yes or no? Yes. Can these people please God, yes or no? No. What about if they go to church? What about they get baptized? What they get baptized two or three times? <laughs> right, no. What about these people? Can they please God? Yes, yes they can. Hallelujah. Alright. So what when he when he means when he talks about being under the Spirit, what's important to understand here, these people are under the law. They are without the law. Over here, we are under the reign of the Spirit. Remember, Paul says we are not, we have liberty, right? Yes or no? But what are we liberated from? We're liberated from sin. We're liberated from the flesh. We're liberated from the bondage of the law. But we're we're now under the reign of the Spirit. Does that make sense? All righty. Freedom from the flesh is rule. All right. Here, we read all the time about being in bondage. Just throwing all this out here to you. So when you read your Bible, you do read your Bible, don't you? Yes. 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 Amen. 
Okay, eight of you do. That is great. All right. You'll read the word dominion. Not as in we have dominion, but being under dominion. Okay. We talked about John chapter 3. All right. Joel, go ahead and read for us again. Someone's already read uh, Romans 8, but let's go ahead and read Romans 8, 3 and 4 together, if you would, please. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay, what I want to look at there is he said that, uh, that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who... Did you remember that next word, anybody? Walk. Walk. Very interesting word there. Gerald, you used that word walk earlier. Very interesting word. Okay. But I also want you to notice another word that was there that I don't want us to skip over, and that is the word weakness. You'll find in the scripture, I don't have this written down, so I'm just going to just kind of point it out. You'll find the word weakness often attached to the word flesh in scripture, and you'll find the word power often attached to the word spirit. Okay? Right? What about what about First Corinthians chapter Second Corinthians chapter twelve? Paul talks about that uh, God's grace is sufficient, right? And in His weakness, oh, I know the verse, I just can't recall it. Uh, my my grace is sufficient for you. I'm, I'm here. Somebody just shouted at me. My grace is sufficient for you, and my power is best. Yes, so, so Paul is, is, is weak in and of himself, but, the, but because of God's grace, he has the power to do what he needs to do. Now let's just think for a second about the word walk, or I want to share with you about the word walk. Walk is a very interesting word. It's the word peripateo. That means a lot to you, doesn't it? Some of you heard it, and then you thought potato. Then you thought, when's he going to get done? What time are we going to eat? That's where your mind went, right? Or maybe it was just, that's where my mind went. Okay. Now, it can, it's used literally in the Gospels of going for a walk, but Paul uses it 30 times figuratively, and Gerald pointed one of them out this morning. John himself in his epistles, and we were reading John's epistle this morning, uses it 10 times figuratively, and it simply means a way of life. I'm trying to remember exactly what Gerald used it as. It's a walk in wisdom. Okay. And so it just means a way of life. And we read here in verse number 4 of chapter 8 of Romans, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, watch this, who walk, this is us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Okay? So uh, let me just throw a few of them out there to you. Romans 6, 4. Walk in newness of life. Romans 13, 13. Let us walk properly as in daytime. Paul, again, 30 plus times these imperatives. 
He says, as in daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. Now, these are all things of the flesh. So if we walk that way, we're walking in weakness, right? But if we walk according to the Spirit, we're walking in, say it, church, power. power. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith. Not by sight. Uh, Ephesians 4.1 I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Ephesians 4.17 Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer, no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Ephesians 5.2 Walk in love as Christ loved us. Ephesians 5, 8. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. Ephesians 5, 15. Look carefully then how you walk. This ties in again to what Gerald said. Not as unwise, but as wise. So Romans 8, 4, again we read, says, In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who, and this is, verse is more descriptive than it is prescriptive, it's describing how we live, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, but there is still some pres- a prescriptive measure here, don't walk down here, walk up here. That means this verse is quite equivalent to Galatians 5.16. You wanted to come back to Galatians, didn't you? You've missed it dearly the last two weeks. So let's turn to Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 16. Paul says, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Here's where you live if you are a believer. All right, those of you who are awake, notice this now. When and where do we live? Do we live here, yes or no? No. Do we live here, yes or no? No. Do we live here, yes or no? Do we live here, yes or no? Too many of us think we live here. Too many of us think we live in weakness. Okay? Now we, but what happens is we live here but we often take a walk down here. And so Paul is telling us to walk where we live. Let me put it to you this way. He's telling us to walk in the same neighborhood that we live in. Build your way of life around your neighborhood. You live in the Spirit, so walk in the Spirit. You live in the Spirit, so walk with the Spirit. You live in the Spirit, so walk by the Spirit. Up in Hampton Roads, where I'm from, of eastern Virginia, there's a town called Portsmouth. It is a very poor town. It is a highly taxed town. And it is a uh, high crime town. There was a push not too long ago to get the highly paid city officials to live in the town. (laughs) Go figure. They taxed the people to death, and the city officials, many of them, decided, why do I want to live in this town that I'm abusing? 
I'm going to move out of town, send my kids to better schools, and, uh, and, and live in less crime-ridden neighborhoods. So there was a push, if you're going to be uh, living off the taxes of these people who live in town, you're going to have to come live into the town. Oh, what an uproar there was. Now, it's really a negative example, but the point of the matter is, Paul is saying that if you live, if you live here, walk and wrap your life around this area. Because what happens is when you begin to walk here, later on in the book of Romans, he says that we, some people like to live, not live down here, but like to live according to the flesh. This is your weakness showing up again. Think about Adam and Eve. Had Adam and Eve fallen into sin before the serpent showed up? No. But when they began to listen to, to uh, the serpent, they still exhibited what? Weakness. And because they walked down here, they were influenced here, and their weakness led to the fall of all mankind. So Paul is saying, don't walk down here in weakness. Walk up here in the Spirit where there's power and success for you as a believer. And Jay put it so well, we're not an architect of that success. That success may be as sheep slaughtered, Romans chapter 8 says in the very end, daily slaughtered. But we'll never be separated from the love of Christ, which is the beautiful thing that we're seeking anyway. We want spiritual riches. Let somebody else have the other riches. Listen to how he identifies our position to the Ephesians. Ephesians 2, 4, and 6. But God being rich in mercy. Here you are, lost person. Raised us up with him. And seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You go back 37 years ago, this was my life. I thought I had it all figured out. You wouldn't believe that about me, would you? I had, I, you, you could have sent the president to me. I would have straightened him out in a minute. But God reached down in the richness of his mercy. And he lifted me up and set my feet on a rock. Just like you got to woke up just now. <laughs> and he set me up here, ladies and gentlemen. What a wonderful thing. Think about at the end of the list of the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, verse 21, where Paul writes, I warn you as I warned you before, those that do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's confidence of our perseverance and righteousness, he's certain that believers will not persevere in evil. Where does he get this confidence that we will persevere in righteousness? It comes from his knowledge of where and when we live spiritually. And that's what theologians call the perseverance of the saints. What does a walk in the old neighborhood look like? Well, Stephen, would you read for us Ephesians 2, 2 and 3, please, sir? In which you once walked, following the course of this world, 
calling the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I appreciate your help there, brother, but there's a reason I do not want to hear the whole thing. Um, the reason is, is because that's Ephesians 2, 2, and 3, famously quoted by Luther. And he used those to point out the world, the devil, and the flesh, our great enemies. Of course, we were captured from those things. He says in verse number 2, and once you once walked, that's our past. But these things have not gone away, of course. He says there, in the course of this world, he goes on to say, following the prince of the power of the air, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh. That's a walk in the old neighborhood right there, folks. No wonder we get in trouble. We've got to spend our time browsing in this, this, this aisle of the bookstore right here. James, would you read for us 1 John 2.16, please, sir? For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. All right, let's see what the world has to offer us. Well, it's got a lot of bright lights, doesn't it? And it's got a dead green pen. All right, we'll go for red. What does the world have to offer us? James, I'm not going to look at my notes. I'm going to let you help me here. What does the world have to offer us? What was All that is of the world is what? Desires of the flesh. Desires of the flesh. Desires of the eyes. Desires of the eyes. Pride of life. And the pride of life. All that's down here, ladies and gentlemen, is nothing but weakness. You wonder why Paul says 30 different ways and 30 different times to walk in the neighborhood in which you live. Do you wonder why when you walk down here, love does not exude from your soul? Do you wonder why when we walk down here, we don't live lives full of joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness? Why? Because these things don't come, these aren't, Michael, where'd you go? There you are. These, aren't, these things I'm listing aren't fruit of Michael. They're fruit of what? They're fruit of the Spirit. You know that anger that bubbles up? Well, it doesn't seem to bubble up in you wherever I've seen it. It might. But that anger that bubbles up from Chris, you know what that is? That's, that's fruit of weakness. Huh? That's fruit of the world, the devil, and the flesh. By walking in the neighborhood that we now live in, by making the new creation our way of life, we are doing this. Listen to this. We are presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Thereby not being conformed to this world, but by being transformed by the renewal of your mind. You know what this geek did Friday night? I'm probably in alone. Did it. Star Trek Airplane? No, no Star Trek. No, no. That would be pretty geeky, though. But I would never admit that if I did something that geeky. <laughs> I stayed up Friday night and watched the 15th. Yes. Did you do it too? No. Okay. 
the 15th and 16th votes of the House of Representatives. Yes, I was wiped out Saturday morning. Yeah. I sat and watched that. Because I was wanting them to keep voting nay. <laughs> Lock those politicians in to do the right thing. But here's why. Because it happens. There's a D.C. culture. Quite often, good people go there. But after they work five or six months and everybody gives them the cold shoulder, it's tough. Five or six months. I mean, you know, you're walking around the, the Capitol building doing your job. Nobody wants anything to do with you. All of a sudden, somebody's nice to you. And you're like, hey, you know, we all like that, right? Somebody's nice to you. Then you get invited out to eat and whatever, and you get invited to a little cocktail party or something where you, you can just chat with people, talk about family and so forth. And this influence of the D.C. culture begins to work in on them. Well, look, I'll vote for your bill. Why don't you just go and vote for our bill? Just vote for it. It's no big deal. And then that influence begins to come in on them. And you know what happens? They get conformed to the culture. And what Paul is telling us is to walk in the Spirit. Remember, this is, this is spiritual. This is not geographical. Okay? Paul is telling us to walk in the Spirit so you and I can be transformed. Right? Who do you want to be transformed by? The world, the flesh, and the devil? Or by the Holy Spirit of God? Got to hasten. Colossians says it this way. If ye then... Be, if... if the word if is quite often the word since. It has the same meaning. Since then you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Verse 10, you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. All right, so what's our problem? If we're not bearing fruit, what's our problem? There'll only be one of two things. Anybody want to take a stab at it? You're lost. Number one, either we don't live in the right place. Right? Well, you don't live here. How many understand why that's not the case? Right? Because the, there's a calendar. Right? So you either live here, and I'd be foolish not to think that some of us don't live here. I'm not saying a majority or a large minority. And I'm not trying to get saved people to doubt their salvation. I'm not trying to do that at all. Right? But it would be irresponsible not to say that's the case. Wouldn't you say? It'd be irresponsible. Okay? So, there's two, got to be two reasons. One, you, you don't live here. And what would be the second reason? Which I've spent the entire time talking about. You're not walking in the right place. Right. Now, in respect to the first one, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13.5, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. And then number two, we're not walking in the right place. Now, back, now we're finally in our text. Aren't you glad? Topical sermon, now exegetical. What Steve was going to say it to me later, so i got to just throw it out there so he can't rub his nose in it. All right. Look at verse number 24, Galatians 5, verse 24. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. All right, so if you live here, I know something about you, okay? Several things. One, your feet stink after a long day. I know that about you, okay? But that's not what Paul's bringing up here. 
I know that desire is not a problem for you. Okay? Because if you live here, you have, do not have a desire problem because you've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I know that about you. So, because as believers, we hunger for the character of Christ in our lives. We hunger uh, for the promise of being conformed to His image. Right? We want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We want that to flow from us. And when it doesn't, it drives us nuts. I know that about you. Okay? Look at verse 25. Paul then gives us some further advice. Verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Some versions will say, let us also walk in step with the Spirit. That word there, keep keep or walk, is not the same as the potato one earlier. It's the word stoicheo. It means to march in military rank, to keep step. In other words, to uh, figuratively to conform to virtue and piety. Something that this generation of Westerners hates with a passion. We just don't like it. We don't like institutions. We don't like... We don't like what our parents handed down to us. And we just don't like standards and, you know, this is the way it is. We don't like any of that stuff. But here's our issue. We have desire, but we, we want the right things. But we have poor habits. I'm not going to do it that way because my mama always wanted to do that way. And I don't like the way my mama did it. My daddy did it this way and I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to do it differently. That's just the generation we live in today. We've got poor habits. We've been trained to walk in the wrong neighborhoods. Very well said. Google, Netflix, video games, Facebook. Somewhat neutral, we might say. But then pornography, alcohol, and dozens of other things. They steal our focus And help us quench the Spirit in our lives. Seeing that, we've been trained to be ruled by the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we must now learn to march to the beat of a different drum. Since we live by the Spirit, let us also march in rank with the Spirit. In other words, we must learn to live under the rule and reign of the Spirit. How many of you is that getting through to? It is our natural course. We've been saved. How many of were? How many of you were a? Uh, a I'm trying to remember the word that's used in Acts chapter two. Uh, what kind of Jews were saved there? Does anybody remember the word that's used there? Hellenistic. No, Hellenistic's not in Scripture there. Um, but I appreciate that. Um, they weren't called respectable. They were no, called... No, God-fearers. Devout. Devout. How many of you were devout, religious people, you know, pure and all that when you got saved, you adults? Okay? 
In Acts chapter 2, we saw these devout people. Uh, when, when Paul went to the synagogues, he talked to devout people who had, generally speaking, devout lives, to very, very rigid lives. In this day and age, these are the people that are coming to Christ. Okay? Do you see how we're trained? We're scum of the earth, many of us. And the best of us may be like right here for the most part. We don't live devout, rigid lives. We're like, I got, I, what time did you go to bed? About 3 a.m. What were you doing? Oh, I was praying. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we got a lot of bad habits in us. So enter spiritual disciplines. Okay. Now I'm going to say right up front, I'm very wary of sharing methods because legalistic movements are built on them. Everybody understand what I'm saying? And I'm trying to remember who brought it up this morning. I am a Paul. I am a Cephas. Blah, 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 blah. Listen, I went to chapel in Bible college. Brother so-and-so stays up till 3 a.m. and prays. He's talking about in chapel. Brother so-and-so gets up at 4 a.m. and prays. Next thing you know, you got half a chapel staying up till 3. The other, and, and, and the same of us staying up till 3 and praying would also get up at 4 a.m. and pray. And half of us ended up in the infirmary, okay? Right, we're trying to copy everybody. I had a good friend. He's a missionary in Australia now. Good friend. The guy got up and talked about how he'd read Psalm 119. And, and uh, it would wake him up in the middle of the night dreaming and about this, the God and all of this stuff. He tried it and he didn't dream about God and he felt like a fiddle. All right? So I'm very wary of sharing methods. However, on some level, we have got to learn to walk in the Spirit. Okay? Now... Let me say, with that, there's no one-size-fits-all method. We all have our own unique discipline issues. We're all at different stages of life, and we all have differing circumstances. But Paul makes it clear here, since we live in the Spirit, let us also march. Okay? I joined the army. They lined us up, and then they hollered at us. You know why? Because we weren't good at lining up. Nobody taught us to line up right. So then we did this, and everybody did that. And they hollered at us for another month because we couldn't do it right. And all of a sudden, we didn't have to do this anymore to space ourselves. Then they told us to turn, and we all turned horribly. They did that, and then they marched us to death. Just marched us to death. So all of a sudden, we got to the point where all you had to hear was a little left, 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 right, left, and a little cadence along the way. And so that little bit of cadence got us in the habit of marching in step and so forth. So just a little bit of cadence from there on out kept us in step, okay? And that's the idea behind a little spiritual discipline because spiritual discipline is not walking in the Spirit. I want to make that clear, okay? What I do in the morning time is not walking in the Spirit. What I do in the morning time is a little bit of spiritual cadence so that I can walk in the Spirit, okay? So we're all at different stages of life. We all have differing circumstances, but one thing we all have in common Hear this. Is an unending assault from without trying to drag us down. And if we've not developed or renewed our habit of walking in the Spirit, nothing fun awaits us. 
Have you seen a dog return to its vomit? Peter talks about it. All right, so we want to know God. We want to have this relationship of God through His Spirit. We want to have a rich, full life of this spiritual, of the spiritual riches. It's been broken down in respect to learning, to listening, but let's just let's just hit the big two, right? Number one, be a good listener. How do we listen? We listen to the Scripture. There's so many ways to do Scripture. I so appreciate Jay bringing it up several times in the past. I know that Gerald has brought it up too, and others. Listening to the Scripture. Now, what do I do? I've brought it up. Others have. We really don't need to go into a great deal of this. But, of course, I listen to the Word. A number of you, I think, Jeff, you shared that with me recently, how much you listen to the Word. I just use To the Bible, the Reading Bible Challenge. I don't know what you use, but you need something to keep you in the Word. And I was talking to Ethan. And we, Ethan was asking me about, you know, being dutiful and sticking with it. And I said to him the day, I said, look, don't do something that's driving you nuts, that's just boring to you. Make it fun, man. Find something that's of interest. Make it of interest to you. And uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, if you had a plan, it was just like, oh, here we go again. Find something, get something there. And I said, one thing I've always done, if something popped out at me, I'd go investigate it. Why in the world does this guy have six toes on every foot? Whatever it takes. Okay? But I mean, I listen to, I like to listen. Uh, John Knox, when he was dying, his servant was reading to him every day. Well, guess what? You've got a phone. You've got a servant. Let it read to you. Some of you drive to work. Listen to the scripture. You already know the Bulldogs are going to lose. Don't listen to sports radio. They barely beat that Ohio State loser. Okay. But I do macro and micro. And I'm not going to explain what those words mean because we've explained them too many times already. All right, enough time spent there. Then share your thoughts with God. That's your heart. That's prayer. Listen, do you husbands tell your wife you love her? Does she need to hear it? Yes or no? But you know who else needs to hear you say it? You do. You need to hear you say it. You know, the theologians, you talk about the aseity of God. Do you know God doesn't need to hear you say it? God doesn't need anything. He is self-done. That's a big word. He's self-sufficient. You need to hear you say it. People often say, well, God knows all my needs and he can meet all my needs. Why do I need to pray? Because you need to hear you tell God you need him. And you need to hear your weaknesses and you need to hear your heart cry. That's one of many reasons. So, prayer lists. I tried them for years. It's not me, but it might be you. Prayer cards. Praying Life by Paul Miller. Excellent book. Lord's Prayer Outlines. Gerald has shared his with me. Me, uh, I know uh, Al Molder. Molder, Molder, what's his name? Uh, he's got a book on that. I don't understand half the words he says, so I don't know. Uh, prayer, man, the Wednesday night prayer is amazing. We should all pray together, of course. What I do is I do the Psalms. I pray a Psalm in the morning and the evening, and I launch from that. The Psalms remind me of God's watch care, His refuge, the beauty of creation. Worship, salvation, God's glory, the evil around me. I love that. Alan's been talking about how we need God all the time. 
Man, you read there, David's sitting there going, I'm hiding in a cave and Saul's trying to kill me. And I go, I wonder how, I wonder how close I came to death today and didn't even know it. And all of a sudden I'm reminded there. It reminds me to shout praise to God, his attributes, his reign over all the earth, on and on and on. But, so I do that in the morning and the evening. I'm only saying that. You don't ever have to do it that way. I'm only saying that because I have these things in place in respect to verse number 25 to help me keep in step with the Spirit. Now, it's important to understand that the goal is that my whole life is consumed with walking in the Spirit. Those things are not me walking in the Spirit. I can't get up in the morning and go... Prayed my psalm, I have walked in the Spirit. That's not it. So we never want to get that idea. Because now we're back to some kind of legalism, right? That's not it. That is helping me. Okay, so those things are the platoon sergeant calling cadence. Keeping Chris Brown from being a knucklehead. And, and, and pushing me back up here. Does that make sense? Heller, does that make sense? That's all that is, Okay. And, and you'll see it in the next verse. It's very clear that that's what that is. Okay? Because walking in the Spirit is 24-7, my life. Right? It's the whole thing of, of we... Let's see. How did I say it the other day, Gerald? We, we, do, we, we, we pray some of the time, all the time, and all the time, some of the time. Or I got that backwards, whatever. But you get the point, right? We pray without ceasing. Right? We're always... By doing that, that helps me where I'm at in this particular stage. I've had tons of illnesses. I have tons of illnesses. My life is totally different from yours. You don't ever want to compare it. Thank you again, brother. You don't ever want to compare. That's goofy, okay? So I'll spend sometimes the day, an entire day in bed. That has nothing to do with illness. That just means I'm lazy. But that's another point altogether. The point is, is that my day, my life is totally separate from yours, different. I have different disciplinary issues. Those things just keep me stepping, moving, okay? This is 24-7, okay? Hope I made that clear. But why? Why? Well, we want to bear fruit, don't we? We want to bear fruit. Okay, now look at verse 26. Okay, so now I've, I'm getting this going, Steve. I'm marching. I'm, I'm, I'm walking in the Spirit. It's kind of got me moving in the right direction. The platoon sergeant's gotten my life kind of straightened out here. And then look what, said, look what Paul says. Don't you become conceited. <laughs> wow. Like he knows me or something. Look at me. I was loving the other day. Shucks. Why aren't you loving? Oh, wait a minute. Look what he says there. Provoking one another. Man, he knows me. Why aren't some of y'all loving? He's dead on us, isn't he? He knows us all too well. You have fruit. You have success. The CTB version. Don't get the big head. That's basically what he's saying there, isn't he? And then what is he saying? And don't needle people who aren't yet finding success. Because if I do that to you, then I'm causing you to become to, to be envious, aren't I? Envying one another. Man, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not making any spiritual progress here. 
right? Now we're envying. Now all of a sudden you're going to do all of my methods like my buddy in college who's reading Psalm 119 and he's not waking up in the middle of the night dreaming about Jesus. And it all becomes some legalistic and now we're all walking down here getting nothing done. Do you see that? Now I'm trying to be very pastoral in this whole thing because I want you to have the confidence and understanding what God has done in your life and now if you'll walk up in here. Okay? Now what's interesting is once you see all that you can see why Galatians 6.1 says what it says. If anyone is caught in a transgression. Now if we are conceited, provoking one another, envying one another, those who have had some success, we're not going to help anybody in 6.1, are we? And that's where we'll go next week. This message was produced by the New Testament Reformation Fellowship, reforming today's church with New Testament church practices. Permission is hereby granted for you to reproduce this message. You can find us on the web at www.ntrf.org. May God bless you as you seek to follow Him in complete obedience to His Word. May your faith in the Lord Jesus be strengthened and your daily walk with Him deepened.